Previously on Newsbreak, Lotus FM. A very warm welcome to you this Sunday afternoon. I'm Tadeesh Hari Pashad with another important conversation for you this afternoon as we uh, generally put onto the agenda things that are the closest to your world and to uh, the agenda list of importance for you. So today we're going to be spending some time talking about um, what affects you the most. And I think from a very long time what we've been discussing and what we've been um, highlighting was service and public service specifically within the South African sector. Where do you think it is currently and how is it serving you? Um, That's something you've raised on a numerous um, platform with us here on Newsbreak and so we decided it's great to look into that topic specifically because September marks Public Service Month in South Africa and um, it's an integrated strategic national event in the calendar of the Department of Public Service and Administration. This year it's being commemorated under the theme Growing South Africa Together for an Ethical Public Service. So we are going to be talking about that today. Your, uh, you know, your perception of public service, your experiences and where do you think it could be better managed and better modified to ensure that you, the public, are placed high up on the agenda for government? So that's our conversation here today. Remember, you can WhatsApp us your thoughts, your questions, uh, your examples of public service, uh, where you've been satisfied, where you've been dissatisfied, and how do you think that this should be better worked upon? It's an opportunity then for you to talk about um, very crucial issues that affect you the most as a civil society. So I'm very happy to be joined today on studio and I think it's a great privilege for us here on Newsbreak Talk because Deputy Minister for Public Service and Administration Cindy Siwechikunga has made the time to talk to us about this, to raise some critical issues about public service in the country and, of course, share with us her vision on how to manage this uh, to the best ability. So we're very happy to have you on the line. Deputy Minister Cindy Siwechikunga, good afternoon to you. Uh, good afternoon to yourself, sir, and good afternoon to your listeners, and good afternoon to our public servants. So I do make that uh, once again. I thank you for making the time to uh, talk to us about this important issue and this important topic. Um, and like I said to everybody at home, you can also join in the conversation. It's your opportunity to, to talk to your deputy minister and what are some of the things you'd like to raise with her. Uh, she's definitely using this time now to um, be you know, cognizant of these um, suggestions you put forward and to take it forward. So let's start then the conversation. And Deputy Minister Chikunga, Public Service Month, and I know there's been several engagements lined up. What becomes your focus during this month? What actually happened at the beginning of the year, the president announced seven priorities. He actually announced them last year and Priority number six then was a building and a, 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 a capable, capacitated and ethical a developmental state. But this year when he delivered his, his State of the Nation address, uh, he then 
prioritize that priority and they put it at number one to say we are as a country not only the department of public service and administration but as a country all of us when you look at our priorities our priority number one is to build an ethical a capacitated and a capable developmental state and 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 therefore this year we are looking at that and we decided to lift up the and lift out the ethical part of that developmental state that we want to build, that capable developmental state, to say if it is capable, if it is capacitated, it will be because our public servants are ethical, their conduct is ethical. They know what is right and they know what is not right. And they can do that in terms of first what they are taught at school, in their families, but also what they are taught when they enter and join the public service. But what they know that the people of South Africa regard as important and ethical and valued, and what they know the people of South Africa regard as not being a norm and not being correct. And that is what we are focusing on during this public service month. But I think also let me hasten to to say to many of our public servants who are doing some good work, who are dedicated public service servants, we, we applaud you, we, we, we congratulate you, and we thank you for doing good work, sometimes under very difficult conditions. And we are saying to those who lost their lives, succumbed to COVID, to their families, we say we'll never forget your members and we extend our condolences to them. And those that are still uh, who have contracted the, the, the virus and are still have not recovered, we are wishing them a speedy recovery. And we are with them in our prayers as the department, but also as, as government of South Africa. Yeah, yeah. It is, yes. Deputy Minister, let's and, and I want to really, you know, get into the grips of the conversation um, as much as we can. Um, help us understand, you know, for those who may not understand when you talk about public service and public servants, what is that? Because I want them to understand as to what this, what your department oversees, what your department runs, and so that they can understand how best to raise these issues with us. So what are examples of public service? Public services are those services that are, are rendered by government to the citizens of a country. For instance, it will be a public hospital, for instance, where any South African can go to and receive help and services from the hospital. It will be a school that is run by government and not private person who probably owns a school, but by government and employs people and pay those people. And those people work under the conditions that are set by the government to say, these are your conditions. And in South Africa, the department that is responsible for setting norms and standards for public servants, it will be the Department of Public Service and Administration. And therefore, in terms of the public Service Act, when you define a public service, you mean government departments and institutions that are managed by national government and provincial government. But when you then say 
department, public administration. You include government departments at national level, at provincial level, and you extend that to local government level. And also you extend it to public entities such as your state-owned companies. So there is, in terms of legislation, a difference between public service and public administration in terms of defining that according to, to legislation. We intend extending our mandate to local government. And there is therefore an act which is Public Administration Management Act. Uh, because we think public administration immediately, we include your local government, we include your state-owned companies. But when we say Public Service Act, for instance, that applies only to government departments at national and provincial level. Yeah. And, 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 and that is the difference. And therefore, as the department, we are actually, because we set norms and standards, we are the employer of all public servants, even if they are paid by their respective departments. But those respective departments do it in terms of the norms and standards that are set by the government, by the Department of Public Service. Mm, Wonderful. So I thank you so much then, Minister, Deputy Minister, for identifying that and talking um, about, you know, the envision um, approach that the department has with regard to what you provide and how best you want it to, to work. So there are a lot of sentiments that come through from the public with regard to this and that's what we're going to spend a lot of time talking about. So I want to start off then by asking you, um, are you satisfied with the level of public service being you know, provided and given to the millions of South Africans that require it? Surely there is no way I can say yes, I am satisfied. But maybe before I answer that question, I always say to people, you know, today, even if it is Sunday and tomorrow is Monday, there will be thousands and thousands of people that will be discharged from hospital back to their families. They will not be announced. Nobody will talk about them. They will be discharged because they are fit to go back to their families, having been admitted at hospitals on stretchers and wheelchairs, not able to walk, not able to eat. But tomorrow and today, they will be discharged back to their families. And that is, doesn't happen by itself. It happens because of the public servants that are there under terrible conditions sometimes, but are still able to provide that care to those people, their hands they are discharged from home. Having said that, there will also be quite a number of people that will be sent to mortuaries because they have died. Some, not because of the TB that they were admitted for, but because somebody did not give them food, feed them. Somebody did not monitor the fluids that they are supposed to get. And therefore, they were either underloaded or overloaded with fluids because somebody did not do that. So there are those things, and that is why you have so many litigations that happen because of negligence. And under health, people will tell us that there is nothing called mistake or error. There is either medical legal hazards or therefore negligence, or you, you give a person something that is right. So yes, there are people that in the public service that are trying to live their best. You go to public hospitals, you find that there are complicated operations that happen in those hospitals that we might not even be aware of because of the doctors that are there. 
that are providing those very intricate operations, complicated operations, and they happen in public hospitals. But under the circumstances, you also have a lot of negligence where a person could have actually been saved, but a person was not saved. That's maybe Mm -hmm. to mention just this weekend, we buried my nephew, my sister's son, and I want to extend my gratitude and satisfaction and happiness to nurses of a Lady Smith's hospital. My sister is not a deputy minister, and she didn't introduce herself as even related to me. But they did everything possible to save her son's life. She died because they are not God. But they managed. I was like, when she told me and she phoned me, I said, may God bless them for trying their level best to save his life. But they are not God. They can do up to so much. But they did the good work, the excellent work to try and save his life. So we have such things that are happening. But of course we have terrible things that happen in our public service. I think on that note then, Deputy Minister, and it's interesting that you would raise the issue of hospitals and healthcare because that has been something that has come up quite solidly on the show with many saying um, they're very dissatisfied with this level of public service at um, state-run health facilities. And this was even prior to the COVID-19 outbreak. Whether it is the wait times to get treatment, whether it is um, the lack of urgency to, to assist them, whether it is the conditions that many find themselves in. Oftentimes, people have said to me here that patients are sleeping on the floor, needing attention, and yeah. they can't get it. This is and, and, and I could go on citing examples. Uh, generally, I do interviews to this regard, and I, I didn't do it this time mm-hmm. because I think at this point, you must have been aware of this. You must have been, um, you know, this has come to your attention, I'm sure, previously because it's such an endemic problem. From that perspective, um, it seems as if public service faces a great deal of criticism for not providing the kind of service that South Africans deserve. No, that is true. In fact, it's not even things that I hear people talk about. It's things that I see and witness myself. You know, let me tell you, the, the, the traffic officer who is standing by the road is a public servant. When he takes a bribe, taking it from me and yourself and whoever else, that is an ethical. That is corruption. But it is happening. And, and and it's not something that I'm saying. The survey indicated that many South Africans will tell you that I've bribed a traffic officer. That is an ethical that is wrong. So I know it. I know I've been, I've seen it going to a hospital when I was at transport, going to a hospital because there has been an accident where many people died and many people sustained serious injuries. You arrive at a hospital in the afternoon because you had to fly from point X to point B. And the accident happened in the morning around 6. You arrive at 7. People that were in an accident, they still are not washed. They are still full of blood on their heads and faces. What it actually means is that relatives will come and still find them like that. You will arrive and you find a person, it's winter, you find a person not covered properly with a blanket. And therefore this person is exposed to both shock because of loss of blood, pain, but also because of cold. And and 
people in the health sector should know that cold can actually cause shock. So you're exposing this person to many types of shock. And I've seen it and I've raised it with people. In fact, in that hospital, I raised it even with the superintendent to say, but how is it possible that a person who is on a stretcher with a fracture like this is not on a splinter? Why? Yeah. Those are the basic things that any health professional should know. So that from the scene of accident, you what, put a splinter. What do you do to change it then? It's happening and it's happened so many times. Mm. What do you do to change it? Because ultimately, that is the role of your portfolio. What do we, we have done? We, we have the National School of Government. And we have said it will be compulsory for any public servant to go to the public um, national school of government for orientation, but also for a course on what to do when you are a public servant. You know, let me tell you this. One strong thing about public service is that many people who work there are professionals. It's doctors. It's nurses, it's teachers, it's traffic officers. These people from their training, they have been taught about these things. But what we have also said to the National School of Government is that let them look at their curriculum at the level of a college, a university, and try to introduce some of these things at that level. So that when they 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 complete their degrees, national diplomas and everything else, they have this understanding that they are joining a service that deals with human lives, human beings, whether they are children at school, whether they are ordinary people who want to drive and therefore need a learner's license, whether they are patients and so on. They need to know that they are dealing with somebody who is a social being, who is a physical being, who is a spiritual being, who is a psychological being, and they've got to take care of all these things. So we have said that to the National School of Government, and they are, of course, working with universities and other tertiary institutions, but they themselves are building a curriculum that will take into account all these things. Deputy Minister, that's education, and that is something that you know you're teaching uh, public servants how best to do their job. But I want to say that no amount of equipping them on how best to do their job is going to enable them to do their job if they don't have the infrastructure to do it. And many of the public servants, and this now shifts from the public and and, and, uh, citizens of the country to actual public servants, have lamented with us about the same thing, that they go to their job to provide a service, they're passionate about doing their work, whether it is in the medical industry or whether it is somebody who works for RTMC trying to make a difference. But when they they have poor management um, of departments, poor management of offices, poor um, d- um, uh, management of the way um, clinics are supposed to run, the way uh, service centers are supposed to, to run, they can do very little. So that then again falls into your entry, Deputy Minister, because ultimately then you have the sense that the Department of, uh, of Public Service and Administration needs to play this oversight role to ensure that all systems are well-oiled, to ensure that everything smooth, uh, flows smoothly. And I wonder if you're doing that. I, I, I fully agree with you on the issues of infrastructure and, and, and the resources and so on. But maybe before I answer that question, you know, it costs nothing for a nurse to enter the ward and say, San Bonani, good morning, how are you? Nothing. You, it's, it's, it's free. But it goes a long way. 
to heal a person who is at the hospital. I'm talking about a nurse who does not have another to give to patients, who does not have cough mixture to give to a coughing patient, but who can say good morning. Who can say to the relative, she will be better, she is in the correct hands, reassuring the relatives. It costs nothing, it's free of charge, it goes a long way to, to, to give hope to the relative, to you when you leave your, 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 your relative at the hospital, that they are in the good hands because you don't know that they don't have the equipment, they don't have the resources, but it gives you that hope that you require so desperately when you leave your loved one at a hospital, at a school, at a whatever. So th- there are these things that are important in the public service. They amount to something called caring. And they go a long way in giving peace people the hope to heal that I'm not going to die because I've met a devil in front of me who is just shouting at me yeah. and doing yeah. nothing else. I but I agree with yeah. you about the, the infrastructure. That's you know, I, 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 I said... 58 or 60 million people of South Africa, they all have a right to use public services, all of them. We, it will be, we, we, we are a developing country. We don't have all the resources, but we are trying our best. Manse, let me just hasten to say, if it was not about corruption, we would have delivered even more than what we have today. It will still not be 100%, but it will be more than what we have today. I just make an example. We we donated, when I was at Transport, a, a state-of-the-art library in one of the high schools, a, 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 a laboratory, which was a chemistry, physics, and biology laboratory, state-of-the-art. And it was also a, 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 a computer lab with 80 laptops and a safe to keep them and we face lifted the school at less than six million rand what a person from the department when we were handing over that he said if this was done by the department of education we would have spent something like 32 million or 40 million rand and if you gave me, gave me that money, would have delivered not less than five or even six of those, of that infrastructure that I'm talking about. Hello? Mm, yes, I'm listening to you, ma'am. Yes, we would have delivered that. And the 32 million will therefore be an inflated cost. And, and therefore it robs of two, three, four, five more schools that would have the same infrastructure. So I'm saying we would have done better had it not been for this inflated cost. And I must also hasten to say, remember, it's not most often that not government that will do that. It's a combination of somebody in the public service and a corrupt, I mean, private sector person who will be willing to inflate cost to from less than 6 million rent yeah. to 32 million rent. Yeah. Yeah. Where, with that money, you would have actually delivered infrastructure to six schools. If you actually say six times six, that would be 36 million rent. You would have delivered six more schools, I mean infrastructure to, to, to yeah. six more schools. Deputy so Mr. that is the problem that we have. Yeah, I think definitely, I mean, you're talking about procurement and I'm going to come to that at a point in the, in the conversation, mm-hmm. but I want, to, I want to bring you back to this what I've asked about uh, the oversight role of of 
public service systems and what are they? You know, we had a situation that was being dealt with by uh, the KwaZulu-Natal government, um, Premier Kalala and even the health department here um, about a man who was in a, a uh, in a Peter Maritzburg uh, hospital and he was uh, in a tent and it was cold and he was um, not adequately treated and then subsequently the man died. It may, was a whole outcry here in KwaZulu-Natal. And what we got through from the Premier was that there needs to be better oversight. What we got through from the HOD of Health Department was that there needs to be better oversight to manage these systems, to look at the infrastructure that is being put in place. Is it acceptable quality for the public? Is it rolled out correctly? Are the time, um, the waiting times properly adhered to? So these are what local government wants to address. I'm asking you, how much of that do you take into consideration at the public service department when evaluating the level of service delivery that these uh, public facilities provide? We, we do take uh, that into account. Say. We do visit these institutions and check as to what actually happened. I may not be aware specifically of the case that you're talking about, but once we hear about an incident such as that one, or we, we get to know as we do our visits, unannounced or announced visits, we raise them because... The budget and everything is decentralized. It's not like it's the Department of Public Service and Administration that must build that school, that must order that equipment, that must hire a doctor who has the qualifications. It's the Department of Health that has to do that under the conditions that are set by ourselves. And when the Department of, of, of Health is not doing that, we then raise the matters with them to say this is what is supposed to happen and charge one, two, three, four, five. And we want to get to know about how far have you gone with the disciplinary measures that you've put on so and so and so on and so forth. But that is decentralized to departments. We, it's not ourselves, for instance, who's going to charge that official if there is negligence. But we also remind them that over and above what departments should do in disciplining public servants, they are also professional bodies. For instance, for nurses, you have the South African Nursing Council. That has also the responsibility to ensure that nursing care in South Africa is of quality and has interest of the public at heart. And when nurses do these things, they have got to be reported also from the nursing council. That can actually take that certificate away from that nurse and stop and actually make that nurse not to practice. There is medical counsel as well that can, a doctor can be reported to if there is maladministration or misconduct of some kind that is identified. But we do that and we give results. For instance, we submit results of disciplinary cases that have been finalized and not finalized, but also misconduct that we identify that is reported to us through personal, for instance, officials that are in business with the state and it is a crime now. We do inform departments to say this is what is happening, but we also inform if we think it's a criminal case, the law enforcement or I mean, agencies, because we can't arrest as a department if it requires that a person be arrested. But we do inform. Lately, for instance, the minister held a meeting, which I also attended, between himself and the Minister of, of Justice and Correctional Services, as well as the Minister of Police, to say these are the cases of officials who are doing, who we suspect are doing business with government. And there is evidence to that effect. Can you effect I mean, arrest? And we have this top 
plan that actually says they are in business with government. And of course we can do that, but we can't arrest as a department. We depend on law enforcement agencies, your NPA and so on, to do it for us. Mm. And, 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 and that is what we do. Yeah, we yeah. insist to reporting to us and we publish reports. We go to parliament to say this is what is happening. Department, for instance, the parliament, the portfolio committee requested us to even give them names. We have done that with submitted names. Yeah, yeah. And we then expect departments to act on those. Deputy Minister, you've outlined there what you do in terms of your oversight and we um, understand it. But I mean, I'd like to know from the public now, what do they think about it? Because is this level of oversight materializing in an actual change in service delivery? And I think very much we can, uh, you know, at the outset agree that it isn't because many are saying that they're not satisfied with the level of it. So how effective has that oversight role that you've put into place, Ben, I think it's time to find out from the public and find out exactly what they would like to say about this. I've got some voice notes here and we're going to listen to them, a Deputy Minister, and you can gauge from the public what they're saying about their experiences in this regard. And maybe this could serve then as an identification space for you to understand where the loopholes are and you know how best to um, revisit that process of oversight. Here's Mr. Ian Governor. Hello there, sir. Good afternoon, Taresh. Our current education system is in shambles. Provinces are hiring private companies at great cost to teach maths and science to grade 12 people to prepare them for the final examination. Instead, staff development programs and in-service training could be provided for current educators to make them more proficient. A number of educators have been employed on the basis of a qualification, but with no practical teaching experience. There are no classroom visits by heads of department, principals, departmental subject advisors, or inspectors of education to evaluate teachers and proffer guidance. Thank you. Thanks, Mr. Governor. And let's go to um, this is Pravina Kiran of Colenzo. Hello there. Good morning. To, uh, good afternoon to the Lotus FM. Um, very good topic. I would like to know what is the sense of pub, public service delivery when there's, when there's lack of everything in our country? People are suffering. In Ladysmith and Colenzo, we have continuous water issues. What do we do about it? Always water cuts, lack of service delivery, the public service uh, delivery, where is it? Huh? We're living under distraught circumstances. Help us find a solution. Uh, this is not the way things were supposed to go in our country. When it comes to looting and all that of PPEs, they are very fast to get done. But they cannot adhere to the needs of the people. Why is that? This is so unethical. Thanks for that point. Let's go to Selvin now. Hello, Selvin. I just want to stay with that because that's our next. Taresh, Dr. Nanvi and Prof, thank you all very much for creating an awareness which we are already aware of. Firstly, I must thank Lotus and I want the SABC to know that Lotus says it like it is and they cannot be victimized for the things we say. So I'm now saying, why don't we use the media, Lotus, to let the people to know what to do. In other words, to escalate some kind of a protest or say, right, people, we're not gonna pay income tax or rates. 
We keep talking about what they're doing. We keep talking about the looting. We talk about the load shedding. All the time it's becoming so frustrating. I would suggest we use Lotus, any media, to get the people together to meet at a forum. The people of South Africa, regardless of race, color or creed, let's sort the fiscal out. If they think they can just get informal sectors and areas just for votes and use electricity for to supply them, then we have load shedding, not on. But gentlemen, thanks for the awareness, but I'm suggesting that we do that. Have a great day, everybody. Taresh, once again, thank you. Okay, thank you, Selvin, for that. Let's go to chapter two, I think it is. Hello there. And to you and listeners, I hope you are, my brother. Look, what South Africa is currently experiencing is the consequences of the 10 wasted years. Now, the 10 years is gone. We're not going to get it back. And we need to stand together, put our differences aside, forget racism and and all those things that put us backwards and think about how we're going to take this country forward so that our children can have a better life. Thank you so much from Chapter 2. Thanks for that. We'll leave it there with the voice notes and we'll come back to your text messages in a short while. Uh, we will go through all of them, don't you worry. But yes, we are talking to Deputy Minister for Public Service and Administration, Cindy Siwe Chikunga, who's talking to us. So there you go, Deputy Minister. I'm just a, a small collection there of voices uh, from South Africa about them being dissatisfied. And I'll also at this point point your attention to the latest South African Citizen Index, Satisfaction Index. Um, basically, it's been measuring the level of service delivery from you know issues of water electricity waste removal um and it's not looking good i mean we could spend the time going through each of it in a province but you know i don't think we really need to do that but the general sense is that south africans are not happy when you hear this deputy minister what becomes your immediate reaction it, it, our, our immediate reaction is that we have to build a capacitated but capable state uh, many of the challenges that we have, for instance, in the public service, are as a result of capability. You might have a person appointed in a position, but if the person is not able to deliver according to the demands of the position, then we have a problem. Sometimes when I go to institutions and you are told that they are vacancies, I feel better than to go to an institution where you are told that we have no vacancies, all are filled. But when you look at the people that are filling those positions, they are not equal to the task. And, 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 and that is the problem. And that is why the president, I, as I said when I started, said we have got to build a capacitated state. If you are to hire a DG of a Department of Transport, I'm making an example, the question we need to answer is to say, what qualifications does that person must have? Wow. What is it that he must have? Yeah. So that he's able to run and understand. And I fully agree with you to say in, in saying that even at our school levels, we have people that are appointed as subject advisors, but are they capable to to do that, to advise on maths, for instance. But we are looking seriously, and COVID has taught us, we're looking seriously at innovation. Mm. Because what is happening is that you have 10 schools in an area, five are poorly performing on maths and science, but you have two that are producing A's, and there are teachers that are capable of doing that. But because they can't move from point A to point B to point C, they therefore focus in their schools. What we are trying to 
to say as the department using our CPSI, I mean, agent, to say maybe let's come up with a solution so that that teacher, that one teacher, can assist all those schools using technology because we are now aware that we are able, I'm talking to you over the phone, but I've attended so many virtual meetings without going to to, to Cape Town, for instance, to attend the house. Can that not therefore be extended to schools so that that one good teacher can cover all those all those schools and be assisted in marking. Deputy Minister, you're talking about, uh, and and you make reference to President Cyril Ramaphosa, and I know, um, you know, when recently discussing the local government turnaround strategy, uh, you know, he obviously admitted that South Africa's public service is littered with shortcomings, and he went on to say that civil service organisations and structures are being hindered by politics. And his point was that the appointment of senior officials are often made with an agenda from higher up um, and this is you know at the expense of those who are best suited to do the job like you indicated so if president is saying it if ma'am you yourself are saying it your department is looking at it and, and and discussing it and being confronted with it why is it allowed to then happen because ultimately what happens then is that the people on the ground end up with a very poor rate of service delivery so why despite knowing all the facts and all about what is the ethical thing to do it is still happening, and my question is why? It, it, it happens because the, the employment of, of people, for instance, at the school level is, is, is decentralized. Uh, we, we will know when a DG is being appointed because before the DG is appointed, a cap memo or a cabinet memorandum has to come to our department. When it is a deputy director general that is being appointed, then the information has to come to us and we therefore get to know about it. But when it is a chief director who is who has studied uh, theology and is being appointed in a very specialized area as, as a chief director, we do not know about that. And when it is not challenged by anybody to the extent that maybe we can get to know and be briefed about it so that we intervene, we will therefore not know about it. But what we are therefore saying now is that we need to do an audit again of the public service as, as, as a whole so that we know that people who are in particular positions have the knowledge and have the qualifications because that is important. But also we are trying to tighten up the, the employment conditions to say if it is a person with this, a person must have experience. In fact, we have done that long time ago. But you know, people, they still are able to do whatever and bring in things and they know that if it doesn't reach out and people don't complain about it, then it will not be known. But the whistle blowing is also assisting us to get to know about these things on time lately because the, this information will therefore come to our attention through whistle blowing. Yeah. And we are encouraging our public servants but also our 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 our, our citizens to use to, to inform us even through whistle blowing without them telling us that there is something like this because we then are able to investigate those you know, using Minister, even public service commissions. Yes. Deputy Minister, when you started off the program, you mentioned your gratitude to a lot of public servants, specifically those working on the front line there um, mm-hmm. to fight COVID-19 and the great service that they've been providing. I've spoken to several on numerous occasions and they have often said 
they have been treated quite poorly in this regard. And specifically at the start of uh, COVID-19, many lamented be not being given adequate PPE. Some even went on record to tell me that they were told by their uh, superintendents and head of departments that uh, it's your job, just go ahead and do your job, whether you've got PPEs or not. You know, you can't hold us to ransom and say that you're not going to do your job if you don't have PPEs. So that was what they had to deal with as public servants. And then now we have a lot of discussion about PPE procurement irregularity, where the focus yeah. was on more about looting um, and, 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 you know, colluding to get uh, money and services and finances for yourself and not necessarily to put the public servant um, forward. Taking that into account, the public service department has been um, oftentimes criticized for turning a blind eye to the needs of public servants. And this PPE example has been one of them. Do you think that's a fair assessment? You know, immediately when we got to know about, about um, COVID-19, as the department, we sat down and said, what, what are the circulars that we must issue out so that we are able to direct all departments on what to do? We issued out all circulars, including on PPEs. And of course, we were being guided by the Department of, 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 of Health because this, the COVID-19 is a health problem. So guided by it, we then said, sent out a circular to say it is critical for all departments to ensure, particularly for those that are providing frontline services, that they must provide PPEs for their workers. We are still insisting on that one. But it's not the Department of Public Service and Administration that will go out and procure for Department of Health, for instance, for the police, for correctional services, for the army, and so on, and for those that are providing frontline services. It is the department itself that will not follow the processes, that will inflate cost for PPEs to the extent that if you are supposed to get 100 masks, I'm making an example, you only get 10 of them. And therefore, if it is 10 instead of 100, you will only be able to provide 10 to 10 nurses or to 10 doctors, and the rest of others will not get. When you, the money that you spent was supposed to give you 100 PP, I mean, I mean, mask, and the report from the Auditor General is actually scathing. It, it says it's been a massive looting and 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 the the the, the, the conditions that were put by whoever were such that it opened looting of the highest level yeah. and the, the unfortunate part of it is that it's public servants that will do that because if i am a public servant irrespective of the regulations i need to do the best so that many people get that it's not about us being regulated it's us being ethical Deputy Minister Chikunga, I think the, mm. the the point that I want to raise at this point is surely there were mutterings of this kind of thing. And and, and, and we're using this, the, this PPA example as just a yeah. microcosm of a bigger problem. Surely there are mutterings of a lot of irregularities that exist on the floor, on the ground uh, of public service um, departments or public service um, workers. And, and And so my question is, at what point do you say, wait a second, I've been aware of something, it seems like a serious problem, let's get people together to investigate the situation so it doesn't exacerbate. Uh, that's something I want you to explain on, but how about this message before we go to that? Anonymous says, 
I am a professional public servant whose job entails working with various departments on a provincial and local level. Hence, from my first-hand experience, it is that we have excellent legislation, policies, guidelines and mm. ongoing training. Mm. However, this mm. is not implemented or there is an inborn culture among public servants of indifference towards service delivery because there is no consequential management. Mm. We have cadre mm. deployment, nepotism of officials in higher and leadership positions with no or very little skills. Unfortunately, political oversights are themselves corrupt and serve their own agenda. If you are a whistleblower, you are guaranteed to be victimized. Um, where, uh, yeah, so that is basically the issue that's come through from a public servant. Um, your reaction to that, the fact that there's everything in place, but a very, very poor lack of oversight to implement it. I think that is, that is true. And 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 people are not held accountable. I I think I agree with the anonymous on that one to say, if people knew that if I do wrong, I will be held accountable and there will be consequences for my wrongdoing, they would not be doing wrong things. But because you know sometimes the rot, I mean cut across, and 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 even if you report something, you're reporting to the very syndicate. Therefore, nothing happens. That, that is the problem. Because if you're going to charge me when you have been using me to do your dirty work, how dare you say today I'm wrong? That is the problem that we have. But we're trying to put those yeah, because uh, conditions... Yeah, be comfortable with that, Deputy Minister. So no, we're we not. Yeah, so what do you do then? We, we, like I'm saying, we are trying every day, like he's saying that the policies, the legislations are there, but they are not implemented. Remember, I said to you, many of these things are being decentralized. I can't, as the department, the deputy minister from public service and administration, go and discipline a nurse, for instance, or go and discipline a DG in another department. So what I is the level of discussion, deputy minister, between other departments? When you're aware of something like this or concerned about something like this, it has an impact to impact um, public service, which tarnishes your office, because ultimately people will then say that the public service department is not providing adequate service. How then do you have this level of interaction with, say, a Department of Health or a Department of Education to say, wait a second, something is wrong in your house, please can you address it? What what we do as the Department of, of Public Service, first, like I said, we, we, we send out norms and standards to say things must happen in this way. And secondly, and we, re, we expect departments to report to us, which they do. When they report to us, we therefore prepare reports. We give to departments to say, attend to one, two, three, four. If we think that we have got to involve the law enforcement agencies, we involve them. But we also prepare reports. We take them to cabinet to where all ministers are present. And we present those reports to say this is what is happening in your department and this is what your officials are doing. But we also prepare reports, we take them to parliament to say this is what is happening and this is the, the, the picture, the, the mirror of what is happening in department X, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5. For instance, other departments will, departments will not even report on, the, on, on things that we expect them to do. We take that to them, we take them to cabinet, we take them. But remember, the Minister of Public Service and Administration is a minister 
minister like is an equal, is a colleague to another minister. He's not a super minister. He therefore cannot take decisions on what to do with the minister or if it is a DG, for instance, we even go to the extent of preparing reports to report to cabinet to say this is what this DG is doing and this is what is the performance of the DG. And measures therefore may have to be taken at that level. I fully agree in that we do not have consequential um, I mean, management. People do as they wish because they will not be disciplined. Somebody, when I was being interviewed, was actually saying I was assaulted by my senior at work. When I responded to the question, I said, I don't know the merits and demerits of what he is saying. But if what he's saying is correct, that person, there should have been two processes followed. One, the law enforcement, the criminal justice uh, process, going to court to report. But secondly, the, 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 the the, the disciplinary process should have ensued and 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 and, and, and happened so that this person is disciplined within yeah. the department and you find that most often than not they will say no but we are waiting for court and you can't wait for court for misconduct because the court can actually find the person not guilty of murder, but the the, the department or the the, 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 the the supervisor and the employer can actually find the same person guilty of misconduct. And these processes are not the same because the other one, the court will want you to prove beyond reasonable doubt. But here, we are saying you took your firearm to tavern as a police and somebody used it to kill somebody. And the court might actually not find a police guilty of murder because he did not shoot somebody. But the employer will find that police guilty of misconduct for taking a firearm, an official firearm, to tavern and actually dismiss the police. And and, and and these are the things that we say we are doing. And like I'm saying, we will not get tired of training and retraining, addressing and, and readdressing, reporting and re-reporting, and saying these things until we think we have them right. But also saying to our managers, and that is why the National School of Government has even introduced training which will take place this coming September for politicians themselves. So ministers and deputy ministers will be att- attending that course in September, but also we are having a compulsory training now for DGs to say, if you are a DG, you are an accounting officer, and everything stops at your door, and if it is, if there are no consequences that are happening in your department, it's because you are failing as a DG before we talk about everybody else. Yeah, yeah. Deputy Minister, we're going to end off then with some of the messages that have come to the text messages now. Uh, let's go okay. to some of them and then we'll wrap up our conversation on how best to take it forward. Ramba Mudli from Phoenix says, there's still a, a lot of room for improvement. It's an ongoing war over and over again. They're dealing with people here. They must be shown more respect. Bana Morad says, the issue of public service is ongoing. Several public professionals don't possess the ethical values to execute their tasks. These principles we hear are spoken by the president is an old system, similar to the old value system of Batopele. Unfortunately, there's still no progress. Shamila Maharaj from Stanga says, uh, we appreciate uh, news break. Thank you so much, Shamila, for the, um, for the message. We really appreciate you taking the time. Um, and uh, she says, I do agree with the deputy minister about uh, the fact that legislation is there but not often adhered to. Anonymous asks, how many years are you developing as a country? Every government runs a medical institution. Every government-run medical institution has extreme shortage of medication, few doctors, and mostly new and young incompetent doctors. 
um, there's nothing but lies here. Jack Kumar says Deputy Minister has no results. We've got everything um, and we're not using it properly. Ramba from Wurdu says I visited a clinic on Thursday. 30 patients are sitting outside. It is okay, but my point is, you know, there was only one toilet working. Asha from Trenance Manor in Phoenix. Um, I'd like to tell you a story. Nine years ago, I got married and my father-in-law told me that in 1998, he filed for a land claim for uh, the land that he had in Mere Bank. I began to phone and phone around regarding this matter. I was given a lot of numbers and went to the same political parties for help. Some tried, some gave excuses. We were never helped. Wednesday will be six years and my father-in-law has passed away. And up till now, nothing has been done. Anonymous says, I was taken by ambulance on the 1st of the 8th to Amklanga Hospital. They had uh, makeshift tents in the underground parking. There was, I was there at 12. It was freezing with no blankets. Plenty of people were left with no one attending to them. Luckily, I was treated, but it was so cold and coughing. I was positive uh, with COVID. At 5 p.m., the nurse tells the other nurse to book me into the ward. Eventually, I was only got to the ward at 9 p.m. I was starving. How bad is this? And Tonti from Richard's Bay says, Why do teachers from government schools send their children to private schools? Mana Singh asks, Crime, rape, murder, the justice system should be changed. Uh, Danjay from Ladysmith says, We have constant water interruptions. Utukela cannot manage the water supply. It's very frustrating, especially when we have functions. There's no water. So, yeah, I think those are the messages that are coming through. I can't fit any more in now because it's time to wrap up. Deputy Minister, I think just a minute to go. Um, what's coming through here is that, uh, and what you're telling us is that there's a lot of infrastructure in place to make public service better. But whether it is corruption, whether it is maladministration or lack of oversight, it's often not being adhered to. This public service month, how would you like to change that? I think what, what we want to change first is the change of hearts and ethical conduct. That's what we, we want to focus on. And what we want also to see changing is the employment of people that have the requisite skills and, 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 and experience that is, of course, required, particularly for senior positions, not just at an entry level, but for senior positions, we want that. Even at an entry level, we want to hire people that have the qualifications that are relevant. But I just want to say again that it's really not all doom and lost. Uh, I visited a hospital in Relezana Hospital in, in, in Bangen. Believe you me, that old hospital has been renovated. The wards, you think you are in a private hospital. But I also want to hasten to say, if, if we were to hand over public services to private sector, believe you me, private sector would not give what people of South Africa require. First, they will charge high uh, fees, and many of our people will never uh, uh, afford them. Let's not forget the fact that the private sector takes our children, we who can afford, the middle class to up, um, um, upper class. The public service takes everybody. And, and when we talk about COVID-19, for instance, it's possible for the private sector to say you'll come today and not tomorrow, come yeah. the other day. But the public service can't do that because in a class you have 200 children. And if you therefore have to do that, you, you just don't know how to do it. Yeah. And, and, and you can't Deputy send Minister. them back home because they, are, they have got to go to school. I just want to say that. And that is why, for me, it is important again yeah. Yeah. to appreciate the work that our public servants are doing 
under horrible, terrible conditions. I've been to schools where you think it's you just don't even understand as to why this person goes to school every day as a teacher wearing beautiful dresses and looking decent, but they still do it and they need to be praised and be appreciated. Deputy Minister, we'll have to leave it. The time has run out. Thank you so much for taking us into your confidence with regard to what's not working and what should be working better in public service. We look forward to taking that conversation with you forward again. Thank you very much. Uh, I'm happy for this and thank you for having us and thank you for the questions. Deputy Minister for Public Service and Administration, Cindy Siwechikunga, joining us. We'll leave it there now. Broadcast came away courtesy of the team, executive producer Salma Patel and Rachel Vadi. Sorry if we've left out any of your voice notes or questions, uh, but we'll try and take it up further as soon as we can. From me, Tadeesh, hey, have an awesome day. News break. Lotus FM, powered by SABC News.